Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Now, whether you're aware of it or not right now, dear listener, you are vibrating. And as incredible as that sounds, the natural frequency of a human body while standing is roughly between the area of 5 hertz to 10 hertz. And the same goes for all things in the universe. The Earth, for instance, resonates at 7.83 hertz. But if all things resonate, then surely they must have a sound or something like it. And if so, what do they sound like? Well, that is what my next guest sought to find out. Richard Mainwaring is a composer, broadcaster and author of Everybody Hurts, the amazing world of frequency from bad vibes to good vibrations. Richard, I'm delighted to have you on the programme. As someone whose world is sound, I'm really looking forward to hearing about this book. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, what is Everybody Hurts? What is the idea behind the book? So if I go right back to the beginning, um, basically, I was uh, teaching uh, kind of music tech to, to some students and we were talking about uh, frequency and I was trying to come up with a way of being able to explain the frequency, you know, on a piano. We can see it on a piano. We can say, look, there's an A and that resonates at 440 hertz, for example, one of the A's. So. Um, but 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 it's not just to there. It does go on further than that. You can go, you know, it, uh, uh, what we can hear goes further than the end of a piano. Um, and there's a lot of frequencies further. And uh, so I started then hitting on this idea of this kind of analogy, this metaphor of, a, of an infinite piano. And, uh, and of course, it goes the same the other way. And it occurred to me after a bit of doing these lessons, I thought, hang on, how far up before you could, in theory, play the frequencies of light that make up a rainbow? Or if you went the other way, how far down before you'd start playing the, 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 the notes, the rumbles of a tsunami or something. So that's where the whole idea of, the, of this infinite piano, which, which is the narrative throughout the book, goes. And of course, I started delving into stories, just out of curiosity to start with. I found this really interesting story about a whale um, that was singing at the wrong frequency. Uh, so I, I, so I started to write a, a bit of it, and then I wrote a bit more. I thought, hang on, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a book here. Um, but of course, I'd never written a book before, so I, after a bit I thought, well, I've got a couple of really badly written chapters here. Let's send it off to a literary agent or two. Not in any way expecting one of them to say, oh, I really like this idea. So, of course, as being a, being a musician and not necessarily a scientist, I, you know, I just kind of went along with it until they went, you got a deal. you got 18 months off, you go write the book. So that's what Everybody Hurts comes from, is this journey that I've had. I, I know that word is very cliched, but it really has been one of those journeys of, wow, I never knew that. I never knew. And even that basic premise of, of course, light is, is a different type of wave to a sound wave. I didn't even realize that when I started writing it. So you can't actually play a, a, a rainbow in that way because it doesn't make a sound because it's not a sound wave. But the principle of frequency, that, that, that these frequencies, you know, frequency is the same whether it's right down the bottom or right up at the top. And so you have collected a few frequencies for us. So is the, is the idea that we, we can't hear these frequencies, or in some cases those frequencies aren't even sound, yes. and you have sort of transposed these sounds down into the audible Yes, audible yes. range. Can you explain that for us? Please? So imagine I, I, what I've done is I've got you know if you think of our kind of uh, the, our listening range being a bit like the beam of a of a torch, and there are things outside the beam of that torch we we just can't see. So imagine that that's our our range that we can see or hear in. What I've done is I've said oh well look there's loads of stuff in the dark there, but but what I've done is I've transposed that, I moved it from the dark into that area where we go, oh, yes, I can see that. Now. So 
think of an example like uh, the whale singing at 52 hertz. So 52 hertz is actually a really, really low rumble. So when we listen to whale song, I mean, I've listened to whale song and you hear, ooh, and you think, oh, what a beautiful plaintive. But very often, I didn't realize that very often whale song is speeded up by 10 times. So it's not 52 hertz as this particular whale was singing at. Um, it, uh, you know, it's been times uh, times by 10 up into 500 hertz. So so basically what I've done is I've I've said, if I was to take a note that low and I play it an octave higher on the piano, eight white notes higher, it doubles its frequency. So it goes from kind of, mm, up to mm, that's gone up an octave. It's doubled its frequency. Mm, it's gone up two octaves. Mm, it's gone up three octaves. So I can I can move Keep it. Keep going. <laughs> I can move <laughs> it's done me an injury. I can move it into the range uh, where where we can start to understand that. The other thing I'd say is that not only have I moved f- frequencies, I've also tagged frequencies. So that's the other thing is that very often people will say, oh, this is a, f-, you know, I've heard engineers always do this. Yeah, it's in a, you know, it's a 200, 200 hertz. What, what, what's 200 hertz? I don't know what 200 hertz is. And then what I've done is I've said, no, 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 200 hertz is this particular note. You'll know that note from this particular song. So 52 hertz is just above dang, 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 dang. You know that beginning of the bass or the chain? You know, it's just around there. And then everyone can go, oh, I now know where that range is. All right, well, let's do that then. The, the, the Loneliest Whale, I remember covering that story on the programme, and this is a, a whale that somehow got stuck singing at the wrong frequency. And then because it was singing at the wrong frequency, it couldn't find a mate. And it's just lonely in the ocean trying to find someone who is also stuck at the wrong frequency of 52. So let's hear the the whale noise then. So it's just somewhere in the cracks. So it, this poor whale, the Americans were, were listening out for Soviet submarines. That's what they were doing, dropping these hydrophones in the water, trying to find the diesel engine rumbles uh, because low frequencies travel a very, very long way in water. And they were trying to find these, uh, these, these rumbles. But of course, what they discovered, not only were Soviet rumbles, but the sounds of the ocean. And they found all these whales and they researched them. And then they found this one that was like, well, well that's a little bit weird. That is, it's just 52 hertz. We don't know any other whale that sings at, at, at that frequency. And the really amazing thing was they realized this was a solitary whale, a single whale, unique whale that they could track around the ocean because no other whale was singing at that frequency. But there's something about it, which is, you know, the idea of where well, anthropo- anthropomorphize, I never said that, 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 that animal going out there singing into this vast ocean and, and all the other whales just looking at it going, what are you talking about? Yeah. I, get it. I know, it's, it is. It, 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 a movie needs to be made about that. It has. <laughs> but, and I interviewed but, Josh Zeman. Um, oh, really? Yes, uh, Josh Zeman uh, went out to find this whale, this 52, Finding 52. And the film is out now, actually, but I'm not going to spoil the ending. Okay, all right. Um, from large animals to small, you managed also to transpose the wobble of a rat's whiskers. Well, now this is interesting because I never actually had to transpose it because because rat's whiskers resonate right in the area that we can hear, which, uh, in fact, almost perfectly in a guitar range. So I interviewed <laughs> Maria Geffen, who's a, who's a fabulous neuroscientist, and she uh, was explaining how um, if you put infrared light on uh, rat's whiskers, each of their whiskers is individually tuned to 
suddenly vibrate more at certain frequencies. Uh, a bit like, you know, the opera singer, the wine glass trick, and I you know that glass suddenly resonates. So th- so these whiskers would, will all be triggered by different frequencies that, that perhaps they rub against. And even collectively, uh, a rat whisks their whiskers at 10 hertz as well, 10 times per second. Um, but each of these are, are, are individually tuned so the rat can r- get a real um, kind of map of what's around it. Uh, so what I was I was fascinated by finding out the different frequencies. So I found all these different frequencies. Now, they don't sit on a natural piano. You know, our frequencies on the piano are set to certain notes. Uh, these don't sit at those ones. So they're slightly weirdly out of tune. And what I did was I recreated those frequencies on a harp sound. And I thought I made this first metaphorical rat harp. Rat's whiskers harp. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, what about really big objects? Then, so rats' whiskers are very small. What about things like last week we saw the um, the first picture of a black hole? Can we um, can we transpose the the enormous interstellar explosions that happen oh, into sound? This is this is amazing. So NASA uh, have claimed this is the lowest frequency, the lowest note in the universe. So in a black hole, everything gets sucked in. But apparently, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm right on the edge of my knowledge here. But obviously, <laughs> black holes are not my my speciality. But this this jet of relativistic plasma comes out of a black hole uh, like a torch beam, and as it's interacted with these dust clouds around this black hole, it's created this shock wave. And that shock wave, if you think, um, if you think of, for example, uh, one hertz. That means there is one wobble of, of air or whatever per second. So it goes going forward, going back, and back to its original place, resting place. That's called a period. That is one hertz a beat. That'll happen once in a second. The frequency of this, uh, this boom, of this collision, this shock wave, is a period of 18.5 million years. <laughs> takes to go forward and then back. So NASA claimed that's the lowest note in the universe, which is a B-flat, which is about 55 octaves down from our standard piano. And and what what note is that, if I imagine it in my head? It's a B-flat. So, um, that's a B-flat. No, no. I'll keep going down for 55 this is. Yeah, uh, you can you you know this because you presumably have perfect pitches as, a, as a, a composer, right? You can. Uh, you I, need I, to... I'm so I'm gonna tell you about perfect pitch. Okay, the perfect pitch is a slightly odd co- uh, construct from 1955. Oh right, so doesn't really exist. So well, it was only in 1955 that the ISO, the International Standardization Organization, defined an A as 440 hertz. So before that, A could be 430 hertz back back in beethoven's day it was like 420 hertz it was ever whatever you felt like. so the, the people often say oh mozart had perfect pitch we couldn't have perfect pitch because pitch wasn't that defined so it's um it, it, it's amazing that how late actually the world has come to that uh, to that standardization there are some frequencies that you came across that um can make us feel like we're seeing a ghost can you explain that 
So in the 1960s, um, astronauts that were on the Apollo program and Gemini program before that were having real problems at certain times during flights because the rocket would vibrate with something called pogo oscillation and their vision was starting to smear. And also they were getting this gag reflex and they were starting to feel very sweaty and stuff like that. Now, this is down in infrasound. So this is beneath, just off the edge of our kind of standard piano, down where we can't, our ears have stopped really working. And this one particular scientist called Vic Tandy in the 1980s was in his lab. And lots of people had said, listen, there's something really weird going on. And one evening he was there by himself and he saw an apparition um, come out the side of his kind of peripheral vision. And he turned and then he disappeared and he was sweating. And he said, hang on, I'm a scientist. I just, this is a ghost. This is ridiculous. But he could not explain it. And the following day, he came back in. Uh, for a bizarre reason, he had to clean his sword. He was doing a fencing competition. And he put his sword in the vice in the middle of the room. And the, and the sword went mental, back and forth. No, 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 no. So he was trying to work out what it was. And he realized it was a standing wave, a wave which bounces off itself. And then it gives you these sweet spots of high energy and low energy. And this was in a sweet spot. So... What he concluded was that actually this, this apparition he'd seen was part of this smearing of vision that you get. And NASA reckoned, reckoned that your eyeballs vibrate, have this resonant frequency around about 18.9 hertz. And your eyes will start to start to wobble at that point, which is why um, your, your eyes get smeared. But it's a physiological effect. Um, which means that you you really start to sweat and hyperventilate. Fears of do you know fear and doom laden f thoughts and all. It's it's a really fascinating bit of research. So we can um, get people to to have physiological sensations theoretically by by, by playing sounds. Uh, can we do anything else that that I'm I'm not aware of? Well, there's lots of stories of there's some stories about the pyramids that that. Some of these gigantic blocks were moved by acoustic levitation by by using certain notes. So I, I heard this now. So this is it's amazing. This is nonsense, surely. Well, so so Professor Drinkwater, um, a professor of ultrasonics in Bristol University, I had a lovely chat with him, and he said, "Well, I don't think this is true because the sound you would, the power you would need." However, I didn't expect him then to say, "But I can levitate objects with sound using parking sensors." Car, car parking sensors, you know, the ones you fit into car cars. So I wasn't expecting that. It was quite a weird, uh, so explained. So he takes an array of, um, he puts a, a kind of a set of parking sensors on one end and he puts another lot on the other end and he, and he kind of fires them towards each other and they create these spots, sweet spots of high energy and low energy. And of course, if you pop a polystyrene ball in the middle of them, it'll hold the ball in place now now we but is that not wind or is it, uh, no 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 uh, that is that so this is, is just sound alone that is sound but it's ultrasound okay so we're looking at so park a uh, car parking sensors shoot out um sound at uh 40 kilohertz forty thousand hertz that's that's like double above where we can hear okay so i don't know i can't remember how far bats can hear up i don't think it's quite there but there will be Certain animals, I suspect, that were going, what a racket coming from that car park when everybody's... It's an E-flat, actually, if you transpose it down. Um, and, and, you know, everyone then... So that's... He can, he can do that. He can actually levitate. But here's the really clever thing. He can move that around. Other people have been doing this. You can move it around. If you get your sensors to move, right, you can move objects around. And, of course, if you 
takes a, a little object which you light and you move it really fast, like a like a sparkler, you suddenly have created a three D display. So already we've, you know, you can use ultrasound for incredible, incredible um, reasons. What does that sound like then? Uh, a, a car, a car park, a racket. That's what it'll sound like. I suppose. Uh, hang on. So that'd be an E flat. So there's that's what I'm listening. That's what... but but way way up is is just everybody's cars are just blowing out these E flats, uh, and then inside our car we go bup, 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 as it as it gets closer to wherever um, we're going to hit a wall or whatever. And finally, um, to, to end on a, a light note, um, no pun intended, Richard, you've also managed to transpose a rainbow. Um, explain this one. This, uh, this again, I was, uh, I just, it found it, you know, about, about, uh, we all think of rainbows, light prisms, all of that. We all think of Newton, Isaac Newton. But Newton started with five colors and he didn't like five colors. He, th- that was the kind of, everyone was using five. He said, no, hang on, I want seven because there are seven known planets in the, in the universe at his time. There are seven days a week. There are seven musical notes, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So he wanted to get light to fit into that as well. So he made two extra colors. And he made, uh, what did he make? He made orange and indigo. And in his book, Optics, you, he does a color wheel and, and he actually puts the letter names of the musical notes around them as well. And because orange and indigo, indigo was a really trendy color at that time. It was just coming into fashion, you know, um, being imported into, in, 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 into Britain. So I took these notes, uh, which are all very, very high frequencies. They're not notes, they're frequencies of ultramagnetic waves that's what light is. And I just simply find the note and then you halve it, halve the frequency, that brings it down an octave. Halve it again, brings it down another octave. Halve it and you keep halving it until you bring it into our piano's range. And I thought this is going to be the most beautiful sounding rainbow you've ever And it's not. It's just a note cluster. Let's have a listen. It just, I think in the book I say it's its the kind of musical equivalent of a child's crayon drawing of a rainbow. <laughs> well, it's a really interesting book because you have that enthusiasm for your subject because you're learning along the way. Uh, and, and from someone who loves sounds, I think it's an absolutely a brilliant idea. The book is called Everybody Hurts, Richard Mainwaring, Musician, Composer and Broadcaster. Thank you so much for your time. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.